0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house they saw the child with Mary his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Over the last month or so, I've seen this cartoon on Facebook. It shows magi showing up at the stable, at the door, to gain entrance. And they show one of the magi walking away from the door. And the caption reads, there were four magi, but the one was told to go away because he brought fruitcake. Even back then, everybody's a critic. (laughs) The Magi, the story of the Magi, Epiphany, is a very important one because it shows how God's plan is being fulfilled. And when Abraham was first called by the Lord to be his follower, he said, Abraham, through you, not only will your descendants be blessed... But people from every nation on the earth will come to be part of the kingdom. So the plan of God from the very beginning was not just Israel, people who are Jewish, but God wanted everyone to be part of it. And the Jews were in a particular position called by God to be the ones to go out and call every nation to come to the earth, to come to the Lord so that they could glorify the Lord. And so the story of the Epiphany is the beginning of the fulfillment of that. Because here we have Magi coming from far, far away to find out what's going on with this star. And the Magi were pagans. They weren't Christians, they weren't Jews, they were pagans. And yet, like every human being, they had in their hearts a desire to know more about the world and about God. So these magi saw this star and they said, what's that about? Let's follow it and see what we find. And so they traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles over many, many days because they really wanted to get to the bottom of this star and eventually they did. And what happened was they paid homage to Jesus and they gave Jesus gold. That's for for kings, for royalty. They gave uh, him incense. Incense was used to honor God or the gods. So in the Jerusalem temple, the priest who was in charge at the time would always burn incense to the Lord God. And then we have myrrh, which was really kind of a prediction of the suffering and mourning that would happen when Jesus died on the cross. So they're coming and they're showing that even though they're not original followers of Yahweh, the God who uh, brought Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob into the, the Holy Land, nonetheless, they too are called to be parts of God's, uh, God's kingdom. Now, where do we go with that? Well, I'll put it, you want me to put it bluntly to you all? You sure? Okay, you're a bunch of lazy people. I say that because when you think of it, the Magi, they traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles with camels and donkeys. They had no showers, no running water. Where did they go to the bathroom? You know, we we don't think of that. You know, they were so focused on finding out the truth that they were willing to let go of their comforts but we don't do that somebody told me the other day that uh, she was visiting a couple and the couple said oh no no we're not going to go to church because it's too cold <laughs> what <laughs> you got a car with a heater you got boots you got a coat you got gloves and you're complaining that it's a little bit cold but that's that's where we are our society today that's where we as christians are we don't want to Put ourselves out to do what we're called to do as Christians. You know, when we, we were told we got to go out and encounter people, uh, talk to them about Jesus, we say, I can't do that. Well, th- that's an excuse. That's like, no, don't, don't make me uncomfortable. Don't make me uncomfortable. I want to do something, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sew a shirt or something. But don't make me uncomfortable. But again, we have the witnesses of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We have the witness of David, who was out in the fields with the the dirty sheep day and night. We have the Magi, who weren't even followers at that time of God. And yet, they thought enough about what was there to find that they were willing to put up with all this stuff. And of course, we in the United States we have such a high standard of living. There's no standard as high as ours. And yet we do read occasionally what's going on in different countries where they suffer from very basic illnesses, which we don't. We have running water. We have electricity. And I am convinced that the world will come to an end, will have to come to an end, if the electrical circuits all go out, if the grids go out. Because in this country and in the Developed nations, we're going to go after each other's throats when that happens. We're not going to have our Facebook and our computers to hide away with. And we're going to be so angry that we've been denied electricity as if that was part of God's plan, that we're going to go ballistic. Now, there will people who will survive, and those are the poor, who get along with it perfectly well right now without it. But we've got it. Do we ever think of that? Do we ever feel guilty about it? And if we do feel guilty, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing because it says to us, okay, wait a minute, you know, you're not really thinking about who you are and what you have and what you're called to do. And just as Abraham was called out of his homeland where he was comfortable to go to another land, just as David was out in the fields day and night, just as the Magi were willing to give up their comforts in their homeland, to find what was going on in Bethlehem. So we are called to let go of our comforts, let go of our stuff, let go of the stuff that we we focus on so much that gets in the way of our being open to the will of God and just picking up whatever we need and getting out there to talk with other people, to serve other people. In our country, we're so controlling and worried. You know, even the thought of bringing a stranger into our homes is upsetting. What might they do? What might they steal? What might they do to me? That's the first thought. We never stop to think, and the the first thought that could be there is, what kind of a blessing will they bring to me? How will they change my life so that I'm more faithful to the gospel? How might they be A magi coming to me and saying, hey, there's more to it than you think there is. But we have these witnesses in the Gospels, in the Old and New Testament. We have these witnesses uh, throughout history in the saints. Saints who just picked up everything and followed somebody or, or started something themselves because they were on fire. Where's our fire Where's our urge to serve the Lord? Where's our fervor? Where is our zeal? Where is our coming together and saying, okay, let's decide what we're gonna do this week. What are you gonna do? Hey, that's great, I'm gonna try this. And then we come back the following week and say, you know, I tried it, this is what happened. I mean, that's a healthy community that does that. And then when someone says to us that they did something amazing, we should say, good for you, praise the Lord. And can I do it too? Will you walk with me so I can do it too? So the Magi, they didn't come alone, just one person. They came in groups, the shepherds came in groups, the angels came in groups to proclaim the gospel. So there again, we're being told, you know, it's not you as an individual. So get get out of your ego, put your ego away. It's about the community and we need to grab each other and say, let's do it, not overthink it, what's at stake, what might be the cost, but rather say, Lord, you've given me everything, why should I worry? Why should I be afraid? And Jesus says that, do not be afraid, again and again and again. What don't we get about that? It's a commandment. You know, he's not saying, well, you really shouldn't be afraid, or you don't have to be afraid. He's saying, don't be afraid. So if we're afraid, something is wrong. Wrong, not just in our society, but in the way we practice our faith, because we have been given every good gift so that we can excel and flourish and be an example to others how to follow the Lord, how to be a Magi, how to be an Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, how to be a David, how to be a St. Mary Ann Cope. Think of her, what she did. She went from a nice, clean convent in Syracuse to Molokai, where there was filth and degradation and poverty. And she did it because she loved the Lord. You know, she didn't have any more outside help than we do. We have the Lord in our lives to do those things. But I don't know how to do it, except that as a community, we we pray for zeal and fervor and that we challenge one another. We say, when we see each other in in church, what did you do this week to uh, uh, surprise God? What did you do that surprised you? What did you do in faith simply because you thought, yeah, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna try it, and you did it. Can you imagine the excitement that would eventually grow in our community and the wider community when they see people truly engaging in their faith in Jesus Christ. So, you know, all of us, myself included, obviously, we have an awful lot that we can give up and still have far more than we possibly need. So the challenge is to, number one, be grateful for what we have. Number two, remember that it's given to us in trust by God. We don't own it, it's not ours. It's been given to us in trust by God to use for the building up of the kingdom so that we can help fulfill God's will, which he gave to Abraham through you, all nations, all people will come to worship the Lord. So the commission is the same. It has not changed in 2000 years. And we as baptized Christians are supposed to be part of that commission to go forth and proclaim the gospel. So that's the community, that's the environment we want to create. So we want to create it for people like Maeve, who's going to be baptized shortly. So that as she grows up, she sees all these people doing these wonderful things because they love the Lord. And then she just automatically gets into it too, because she says, well, that's what we do at our parish. That's the type of people we are. We just do it because God gives us the call to do it and the powers, the authority, the gifts to do it. So, again, these feasts are not just wonderful feasts where we can celebrate this and the other thing, but they're called to remind us we're supposed to be magi too. We're supposed to be journeying. We're not supposed to be thinking, what's at stake for me? What's it going to cost me? But, Lord, there are people dying, literally, physically dying every day, who have not heard the good news proclaimed to them. And he expects us to do that. What a privilege. What a gift. And if we focus on it as a gift and a privilege, perhaps that'll move us a little bit closer to living our lives with fervor and zeal, to be like all those throughout history who really built up the church by going forth and saying, come on, this is where it's at. You need help, we'll give you the help. You need healing, we'll find that for you. So forth and so on. But that's us, that's us, our story. It hasn't changed in 2000 years. But again, the challenge I think is more powerful today than ever to get out of our comfort zones, to say, yeah, I, I, I'd love to st- sit in my room all the time and maybe watch a show once in a while and sip a good cocktail, you know? That's all wonderful stuff. And that's not bad but if that's all I want to do, and if I don't push myself to go further and to do things that I can do because I'm a follower of Christ, then I'm not living as a Christian disciple, but that's where we're all called to be. So we celebrate this feast to remind ourselves of that, and then so that we go out those doors, we don't just forget it, but we say, what's gonna be my journey this week? Where am I going to go that may not be real inviting to me, But somehow I think I can make a difference to those people. What might I do to show my reliance on God as opposed to what I have, to my stuff? How will I challenge my routine so that I can be more free, truly free, like Jesus, to go forth and proclaim the good news of salvation. So ask those questions during the week. Where will they lead you? Write them down. Say that to someone. This is what I think I want to do. What do you think? Go two by two. That's what Jesus did. Sent us all out two by two. And then see what happens. Because again, with God's sky, the sky is the limit. We can do great things. And... The more we recognize that, the more graces will come to us, the more power we will have so that we can fulfill God's dream, God's will, that everyone come to know the Lord and come to be part of the kingdom of the Lord.